and welcome everybody to another PLG confession series. So I have a great guest with me today, uh, Suri Sandel. So he has been a product uh, product manager formerly at Sandoso, Flatfile, Rainforest, uh, Rainforest QA, and many others. Um, I'm excited for you to join me today. Uh, Sorry, give us a little bit of an intro. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Sasha. Excited to be here and talk about PLG. Love what Madcoot is doing. So uh, yeah, big fan and excited to be here. A uh, quick intro for me. Um, yeah, like 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 you said, worked at various uh, B2B SaaS companies over the past few years, um, have kicked off several PLG motions, some successful, some not. So we'll dive into that. Um, most recently working in like the fintech crypto space, um, doing like growth product. Um, can't really say exactly where, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing right now following my passions with with crypto but uh yeah excited to be here and dive in gotcha well let, let's start with that so when you first approach kind of plg at a company whether it's existing or not what are your first things that you kind of want to do in terms of like an audit or something to just like get you up to speed hmm that's a good question. So I would say for me, uh, it starts in two places. Um, one is like the data side. Um, I it, first step is probably what I what I would do is try to think about um, what could be a growth model, if if and when PLG is sort of built out at, at the organization. Like, how does a web visit, um, website visit? eventually lead to a signed up user, to a activated user, a retained user. And then how does that add to bottom line revenue? And, you know, a simple funnel, basically. So I'll try to start um, specking that out and, and try to, you know, pull, pull in folks to help me capture this data. And if it's not being captured, start to instrument it um, to get a view into that entire funnel and have theories about and, and sort of hypotheses about how improving spot specific parts of that funnel will eventually um, lead to bottom line revenue growth. Um, so that's sort of one piece. Um, and then the next piece is like the actual product, right? Assuming there's a product in place already, going through the experience with fresh eyes as a new user, thinking about putting myself in the shoes as, as um, uh, of, of a sort of self-serve type user, even if the product may be um, sales-led or you know, there's an onboarding team that, that helps um, new accounts when they sign up. I try to um, would I would try to look at the experience sort of agnostic of that and, and without that and see where the gaps are. Am I able to actually go through this thing and activate myself, uh, whatever that metric may be for the specific product? Uh, am I able to do that without um, assistance? And, and and if not, then what are the gaps? Um, you know, is it education? Is it is it the fact that um, it's just a very complicated setup? So there's several stakeholders that are necessary. Each each product is sort of different. Um, but I would go through that experience to activation and try to mark out what act- actually are the gaps. And you know, that would then ideally feed into whatever roadmap would need to exist to start building in the direction of, of PLG and, and self serve. And how do you think about that kind of cold start problem? So you've in a kind of our pre-conversation you really talked about sometimes being a team of one having the flexibility and being a little bit agile being able to kind of make decisions on your own how does that kind of potentially differ of companies at various stages whether you're a team of one or kind of various stages how how should they like think about like basically starting off when there isn't a like roadmap already in kind of place for plg at a company but there is interest yeah um that's a good question um i think uh 
you know, the two things that I said are, are um, so looking at, at the funnel and the data and, and um, what the gaps are there and, and the user experience are, are sort of two critical activities that, that need to happen uh, to, to sort of, in, you know, initiate an initiative in PLG. I would say do that before hiring someone or hiring a team or reorging or blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but once that's in place and, you know, whoever the stakeholder is that's pushing for PLG inside this company, um, once you do that and you make a case for, um, okay, these, these are the kind of things we would need to do to, to, to move in this direction. Um, then I would think about, okay, let's, let's broadly as an organization think about is, is this right for us right now? Um, you know, if you're a venture back startup with, um, very high revenue targets and let's say you're a series B, series C, like having a PLG motion disrupt your existing go-to-market motion at that point in time may not be the right thing. Um, and so think about contextually where you are as a business and does it make sense to, to move um, in a PLG direction? If you're more early stage um, and say you don't have a product yet or you're just sort of getting off the ground, uh, having those disru disruptive changes earlier on might make total sense. But yeah, I would consider contextually like where the business is in its life cycle. Um, and does it make sense? Um, and yeah, once you can make the case internally, once you can identify the data, uh, where the gaps are, the product experience, where the gaps are, uh, make a case, then I would think about staffing, you know, initiative, ideally try to leverage people that are already experts of, about the product internally within the company, not hire someone new. Um, but yeah, kind of make the case first and then, and then bring in internal champions to, to sort of uh, push it through. I think that's sort of how I would kick it off. And how do you think about segmenting the types of users or the types of companies that come in? Because if I think about PLG, not all users or companies are created equal, right? There's potentially a lot of students, uh, depending on your product, there's a lot of like noise that goes into it. How do you remove some of that noise and get to the critical people that can actually drive revenue for a business. You know, how do you, how, how have you thought about that kind of process? Um, you mean like internally at, a, at an organization? Um, yeah, just like in, in general. So like if I think about like some, with some of our customers and some of my viewpoint, I see a lot of like a huge need of different kind of funnels, whether it's like kind of an enterprise mm -hmm. play versus like in a mid-market play, there might be a, mm -hmm. uh, a regional or use case component something that's very common kind of in B2B, but it seems like it's even more so on the product side. And I'm wondering if you kind of resonate with that message as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, 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 think, um, I think it's very important to, to understand your market and segment your market into the various um, segments that, that would, in theory, uh, benefit from, from your product. Um, you know, it can be SMB, it can be uh, mid-market enterprise, it can be also the various sort of personas that might be um, looking to, to, to use or, or buy your product. So, you know, you have like the more um, senior level buyer decision maker type folks, you have ICs in a PLG bottle. Typically you're going to be wanting to attract the IC that's actually facing the problem that your product is going to solve in a self-serve way. You know, that's your sort of foot in the door. Um, so I think it's important to understand the various segments in your market and um, what their specific needs are and compare that to your product today and which segment it actually serves and serves successfully um, and, 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 and make decisions around for PLG. Okay. Where does it make sense for us to start? Um, if we have a product that's very successful for 
enterprise users um, with uh, sort of sales led motion, heavy um, sort of white glove treatment for onboarding, things like that. Does it immediately make sense to use the same product and start attracting ICs um, to come use it in a self-serve way? Maybe not. Um, and so think about um, the various segments in your market. Who, who, who are the people that actually face the problem that your product is supposed to solve and um, what the gaps are to get your product to be self-serve so it can solve their problem in a self-serve way. Um, and in order to do that, you need to understand your market and the various segments and user bases um, that could benefit from your product. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned like kind of product-led sales and some of that enterprise skewing motion from product-led growth. How do you think about the separation between like a freemium or like a sales or like a self-serve type of model where from a like enterprise model, is there cannibalization there and how do you how have you seen folks or yourself avoid that kind of cannibalization from a you know purely you know i can go have only product touches product is the thing that drives it versus a you know product plus humans in this case sales interaction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah you assuming you're a sales -led company you know like what you just described where you have an enterprise motion and and um it's, it's humming and I'm along and doing really well. Um, trying to have a self-serve motion that attracts the same persona and the same um, buyer is probably going to lead to cannibalization, you know, like you said. Um, having a, a, a free product that solves for the same pain point just makes it way harder for someone to justify going through a 60, 90 day sales cycle straight off the bat. Um, rather than, you know, let me try this free product out for a bit and see if it works. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's much better to, if you have that enterprise motion already, you have that sales motion already carve out a segment of the market where your sales team and your sort of sales goals and sales leadership is less concerned. These aren't ICPs or, or they're sort of lower value, um, um, uh, accounts that, already cost a lot to um to bring in uh compared to the revenue and, and the ltv that they would have um and and focus on self-serve for those um and uh try to keep the funnel sort of separate so there's less cannibalization when the product and the self-serve experience gets to the point where you can be confident that it's it's activating and retaining users and you have a, a way to monetize that user base and, and create leads for, for for the sales team at that point, you know, uh, start to um, open it up a little bit more. Uh, but but I think it makes sense in the early days as you're getting the product to the point where it can actually uh, stand on its own um, to to focus on a separate market that is maybe um, less. Uh, yeah, will lead to less cannibalization. Gotcha. And. Um thinking about kind of like the the journey to get product usage available how do you mm -hmm. think companies should start and, and how how should like how does sales kind of perceive this from the go-to-market side in the sense of you know many folks are different kind of stages of the funnel of you know having some product data being able to use it in some ways versus running your entire business out of it so where have you found kind of successes and kind of failures with running some of these PLG motions? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it's very important to, um, when you initiate a PLG motion at your company, 
um, make everyone rally around the the data, like the growth model that I talked about at the start and, and the funnel. Um, that should be like everyone should really be focused on that and looking at that. And, um, you know, product should be responsible for let's say activation is not up to the benchmark that we believe is, is possible. Like product should be responsible for solving that. Let's say there's a bunch of activated users that are not converting into leads. Perhaps there can be a sales motion around um, uh, improving that metric. So I think it's very important to rally the entire or like the entire relevant group of people who is thinking about PLG at the company around that funnel um, and, and make sure that there's sort of stakeholders that are responsible for specific parts of the funnel that might be problematic at any given time. Um, I think this is a relatively new way of thinking for let's say traditional, more traditional B2B sales um, teams. They aren't necessarily always thinking about the product experience, right? They're incentivized to, get leads, get accounts converted, and then hand them off to um, CSM or onboarding um, and, and sort of the, the, the game ends there. But in the PLG world, you, you really have um, to consider our users successful within the product. Um, and as a salesperson, like it makes sense for you to care about that, right? Because if you have a user that's using the product, let's say they're, they're logging in a lot, they're inviting other um, uh, uh, other team members at the company to the product. Um, they're, they're doing whatever core action is, um, is important within the product as a salesperson, as someone who would, you know, think in terms of leads, like that is a hot lead. That is someone that I want to talk to. I want to see if they're willing to pull in a buyer. Um, uh, so I think it's, it's sort of a mental shift, but, uh, if you focus around the data and, you know, um, how, how the data can lead to, um, eventual, like, new deals, new revenue. Um, I think it's much, much easier of a, of a conversation to have. Gotcha. And how do you think the perspective of someone like yourself working on the more closer on the product side versus kind of go-to-market teams in general, think about product data and kind of this PLG motion in the sense that on the product side, it seems like there's always this someone engineering mindset of like, okay, what am I doing to track things at a certain stage to get to this like engagement metric as mm -hmm. opposed to what drives, you know, those aha moments that drives actual revenue, right? For somebody to be like, oh, okay, I can actually see this as a use case where I deployed across maybe multiple teams or I run business critical processes on it, you know, whatever, whatever your product serves. How do you think about those two perspectives kind of differing? Are they at odds or is there, a way where they kind of work together, like the product engineering kind of point of view of how product is used, like to get to like an activity metric versus a GTM function that's looking at how to get to revenue or how do I get to a use case? Do you, you know how much do those two differ? Well, in a, in a, I, th I think if you're in a successful PLG motion, they differ very little. Um, they're more like separate parts of the funnel, right? Um, product mm -hmm. would try to get users in um, into the product, have specific education onboarding that's smooth and sexy to get people to activate and then retain and, and then, you know, refer others. Um, and then sales comes in to, um, and then obviously, you know, that needs to be quantified, that needs to be, data needs to be piping to CRM, things like that to, to indicate to sales that, okay, this is a hot account. Time, time to jump in. Maybe we kick off a, a email cadence that um, 
uh, share specific use cases with the buyer, whoever got invited to the, the platform. Um, uh, you know, there, there's various tactics that can be put in place. But in a PLG motion, ideally, those are not at odds at all. And they're just separate parts of the funnel that, um, uh, you know, each, each team, the go-to-market team, the product team would just be focused on different parts of the funnel and, and um, do their thing um, to, to sort of improve uh, whatever, whatever specific metric for that part of the funnel is, is being focused on. So, you know, whether it's conversion of leads, whether it's um, activation rate, whatever it may be. Gotcha. And how do you think about converting some of that product journey and some of those milestones in the product, whether it's activated user, whether it's an aha metric, whether it's a usage threshold, how do you think about working with your peers and colleagues where you can, you're able to basically translate it into like, what should sales do next? Right. So that's something that mm -hmm. our audience typically struggles with quite a bit is, you know, okay, maybe I am a PLG first company. I've built my stack, my processes for PLG, but I still don't have like the full skills or the full access to all the data or all the people I need to, to really run this effectively. Where, where have you seen successes in being able to translate, you know, a product or user journey from something that's, you know, sales or go-to-market team can actually action on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... Uh... I think this is one of the core challenges with, with PLG. And like when we did this at Sundoso, um, at, at other places, like we had challenges with the data. And, and so like P PLG, where you're tracking usage uh, within the product um, is sort of quote unquote new world. And then the sales forces, blah, 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 of the world are, you know, uh, old school tech. And then trying to get those two to speak uh, to each other is, is usually not very fun. And, and uh, you know, folks like Matt Kudu, you guys are, are solving some of those challenges there. Um, but yeah, getting, getting usage data um, into your CRM where sales, you know, sales is used to Salesforce. They're used to seeing MQLs, SQLs. They're used to acting uh, on that type of information. Um, marrying those two worlds is not easy. Um, what I would say, it's like, it, it's best to start slow and iterate, um, starting to think about like lead scoring, coming up with complex, like machine learning models, all this kind of stuff straight off the bat. I think not a good idea, probably a waste of time. Um, much better to just start simple, think about simple metrics, like, you know, login rate, activation rate for, for whatever the product may be. So Sendoso is like sending a gift, um, you know, prior to that rainforest is like actually like writing a test case or running a test case for, for the QA tool. Um, depending on the product, you have different, different sort of activation metrics, but sharing piping anytime that happens into your CRM um, log. Yeah. I said logins um, referrals of other, other users. Ideally you can also have the title of the user represented. Um, you know, if you have a, in the sign up form, you have the, the ability to track whether they're a buyer, whether they're an IC, things like that. And start by just sharing that data to the CRM. Um, just simple, just pipe that data directly. And as you're getting this motion off the ground, sales, especially sales people that are um, uh, sort of thinking in the, in the, in the, being in the mindset of how can I make use of this potential lead here? they're going to have a sense of, okay, this is a hot account. This was not a hot account. And it's obviously going to take time to, to build up, but you build up that um, benchmark of like, this is what a successful customer looks like in terms of usage. And you can then use that to um, eventually build out a lead score and, 
you can say, you know, if, if these various metrics, logins, activation, referrals, um, come together to look like X company, which has been successful for us in the past. I know this is a lead that, uh, you know, I sh we should probably reach out to, or we should probably kick off some nurture, uh, email sequences, things like that. Um, but yeah, I'd say start slow. Don't try to, you know, pour a little whole ocean off the bat. Uh, I definitely learned that lesson the hard way. And, um, and then, yeah, eventually build it out into something more complex when it makes sense. And speaking of kind of like challenges or gaps in this process, where have you seen some kind of bumps in the road or like some learnings that you've gotten from doing some of these motions a few times of, you know, what works well, really well with implementing PLG or like really getting like value out of it as opposed to like what deters it or kind of slows down the process? Um, yeah, uh, I think the first thing is like instrumentation of the product experience and making sure you're tracking all of the necessary behaviors within the product for you to get a sense of, is this user successful? Is this account successful or not? And uh, if you don't have that, you're sort of flying blind. Um, so making sure that is set up successfully is working properly. Um, it, it, that's like step number one. And then step number two is getting that into your CRM such that your sales teams understand how to access it. You don't have to do that off the bat. You know, maybe when you're getting this off the ground, you're, you're inviting your, your salesperson to Amplitude or Mixpanel or whatever tool you're using to, uh, to be tracking these mad kudu. Um, but eventually, um, you need a way to, um, get that usage data, um, to your CRM. Um, and um, do that in a way that's that's uh, sort of robust. Um, I've learned the hard way. We tried open source tools. We tried um, tools that we paid for to to sort of get um, uh, usage data into your CRM. And, and uh, yeah, there was a lot of issues there. Um, we had a lot of roadblocks, a lot of hurdles uh, to make sure that data quality was high. Um, and uh, that I think that's that's kind of where like the folks like Matt Kuda come in. Uh, so yeah, data data piece is one big hurdle. Got to make sure you get that right. Um, next piece is like internal cross-functional alignment. Um, you know, uh, this is a cross-functional emotion. It is not um, going to be successful if only product is championing this or only growth marketing or only sales. Um, it, it, it really truly to be successful needs to be um, from the top down uh, a motion where everyone is on the same page and it's thought through in the right way. Um, your your CRO not, needs to not be afraid of cannibalization. Your uh, product team needs to uh, dedicate resources to these activities. You know, not not a lot of product teams. Uh, in some cases, product teams may not want to work on improving the sign up experience by reducing it from four steps to three because they're more interested in working on, you know, some net new feature that's going to add a whole new use case for the product. But if you want to do PLG successfully, reducing the sign up flow from four steps to three or two is a very important thing to do because it's going to bump up conversion. So having it be um, a, uh, a motion that's bought in cross-functionally is, is sort of a huge hurdle that I think people don't take seriously enough. Um, so yeah, I would say, data and, and instrumentation and getting that to your CRM one piece and then internal alignment is another piece, um, both hurdles that I faced and uh, I would recommend people sort of try to get right before uh, getting a PLG motion off the ground. 
And how do you think about just PLG in general? Like the emergence of PLG, in my point of view, is that it's helping B2B move more to a B2C type of mindset, right? Where I think mm-hmm. about B2C, there's either you buy from the shopping cart or you don't. There's, you know, in some cases, a very easier binary world, right? Of like what to focus on, right? What is your North Star metric? Does PLG change what the North Star metric is for B2B companies to make it more aligned to, you know, the end goal, which is revenue, end goal of around the user experience, is it a path on that place or is it a kind of a distraction from, from, that, from that world? Uh, if you take PLG and self-serve seriously, you're going to build a better product. So in my opinion, um, the, those are very synergistic goals. Um, making your product work in a self-serve manner just leads to a better product, you know, period. That's it. Like it's very easy as a product team, as a scaling company um, to have a subpar product experience and not focus on making it, uh, you know, premium and, 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 and top tier because you're able to move faster by papering over some user experience cracks with, with, with humans, right? You can throw an onboarding team or an onboarding specialist uh, at the product instead of making sure the activation experience works in a self-served way. You can throw CSM uh, to, to do weekly trainings or a solutions architect to do weekly trainings at the problem instead of making sure the product is able to handle that, you know, natively um, and, and uh, in, in sort of a, a simplified way. So I think if you as a product team take seriously building a self-serve product and, and, and thus, you know, enabling PLG, uh, you're, you are going to have a, a better product. Uh, so ideally, those are, you know, aligned and synergistic goals. Gotcha. And as that product gets developed and it gets easier and easier to almost try without ever interacting with a salesperson or most of the human capital they talked about, CSMs, AMs, right? there's a lot of people resources, which arguably don't scale that much, right? It's very hard to scale people. There's a hard cap that unfortunately we as fleshy meat bags have, <laughs> right? How do you think about, how do you think about the power of scale for PLG? Like, what does that mean for like a business? Like, for example, do you ever think that some of these more complex traditional B2B cycles can move to a world, right? Let's say medium or long-term that is a lot less reliant on human touches, right? Like meaning not just like just a freemium version, but a way to potentially buy B2B software that has almost little interactions with humans or purely a traditional sales role. Do you think there is a, are we moving in that direction of like, like a, you know, I can swipe my credit card on a you know, $500,000 piece of software, right? Once I get to a certain threshold, like, do you think we're like there yeah. yet or is that still too kind of far off? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't see us ever getting there. Um, so, I mean, software is definitely becoming consumerized. You, you're, you're totally on, on point with, with that statement. Um, people are used to um, their Instagram experience or TikTok or whatever, and they demand the same from their B2B products. Why should B2B products be subpar? It's like, there's no reason, right? Um, but there's also always going to be, um, the need for 
especially up market to go through a more traditional sales motion. And, and even, even let's say you have a PLG motion, like even having a sales layer, like a sales assisted layer on top of that can boost your numbers significantly. Like if someone gets stuck in the product experience because they, they have some issue and it's fully self-serve, like adding a little chat bubble where you have an SDR come in and, and, you know, chime in and say, Hey guys, saw you, saw you got stuck. Like, you know, I'm here to help. You want to schedule a 15 minute call? Like that's probably going to never like that. You, you, I don't think removing that in every situation makes sense. Um, it's always going to help. Like a human touch is necessary. Uh, we, we are, you know, humans after all. Um, I like the term you used with, with the meat bags. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think, it's more of um, we want to try and squeeze the most juice out of the the sort of effort and we put in and having having um, a product experience that self serve allows you to scale with less people, right? Um, assuming assuming it gets people to the point where it can activate, retain, and maybe even monetize a subset of users. Uh, now you have the existing humans on your team can go focus on more important problems. Um, they can go focus on more like upmarket clients or they can go do ABM and like focus on specific accounts that um, might be specifically ICPs that are, you know, the big dollar value, things like that. A lot of, a lot of different ways to spin it. But uh, yeah, I don't think the human touch is ever going to go away. Yeah. So, so maybe if I was to rephrase, it seems that the human touch actually becomes even more critical, right? Like it seems that like before kind of what we talked about was before we B2B especially kind of got away with, Oh, I'm going to deploy more sales resources. I'm going to deploy more account managers. I'm going to deploy more of X team to solve either a product problem or go to market strategy problem. Like I'm going to go solve it with people and money, right? If you have enough mm -hmm. money, you can solve a problem, right? And it seems that now we're moving away from some of the, what I'll call like lower level work, right? If I think about SDRs or AEs doing a lot of like prospecting, doing a lot of like is this is this right for me to follow up with do you like do you resonate with that message that it seems like we're actually a net benefit to marketing and sales teams is that they're actually getting to focus on like much cooler deeper work right like deeper customers deeper relationships the impact of their them coming in as a you know almost advisor or as a product specialist is that much more valuable than it used to be before I, uh, I, I mean, I think so. I also don't feel like I'm in the right position to answer that as a product person and, you know, not a salesperson or a marketing person or whatever, because, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm on the other side. But um, yeah, I mean, I think so. In theory, uh, that's definitely what I believe. Um, you, you can both focus on more important, deeper problems, but also you may be able to, instead of prospecting, cold calling, you know, 10 uh, accounts a day, you may be able to handle 50 accounts a day through a live chat uh, in app that's talking to users that are already in the product and, you know, understand um, what's going on in there. So um, I think, yeah, it just gets more output out of out of everyone. And um, yeah, it also allows you maybe maybe it's more uh, intellectually stimulating, engaging, things like that as well. Awesome. Well, let's change pace here. And we're going to go after a few rapid fire questions if that works for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome. So first question, um, how many iterations of kind of PLG or PLG type motions have you been a part of? 
Um, so I'd say like three, three and a half. Uh, so like rainforest was um, kind of out of necessity. Um, we moved to PLG. Sandoso was out of opportunity. We moved to PLG. Um, I, I now work in sort of a B2B, B, B2C sort of m model. So, you know, we only have PLG. So, uh, yeah, three, three and a half kind of the answer. Gotcha. Awesome. And how many funnels slash motions have like on average of these companies run? Like, you know, from self-serve, sales assisted, ABM, et cetera, like, what is your like typical gauge? Like how many funnels uh, as like the typical company or typical profile you've worked at been running? Uh, in, in the B2B world, you know, we started as sales led. Uh, so that was the existing funnel that was humming along. And then we, we added in um, a self-serve funnel. So I would say two um, in Sendo. So we kind of experimented with sales assisted as well. So um, yeah, kind of two-ish, two three, three-ish would be the answer. Two to three, Mark. Okay, gotcha. And uh, which in your, from your perspective, your vantage point was like the most successful across all these various companies? 100% like a sales assisted funnel. Um, we, we had the most leads come in because it was self-serve to get users in. And then we had um, specific salespeople jump in to um, look at the activated accounts and, and try to, uh, you know, pull in a buyer um, uh, and, and start a sort of uh, sales motion. So yeah, I would say those, those were the most successful. Um. If you were building it like a PLG team from scratch, who would you kind of like hire first? Yeah, I mean, I really think it depends on your starting point, right? If you have a sales led notion already and you're experimenting with PLG, um, I think you probably want to hire, I wouldn't even say hire anyone new, but I would say move your onboarding PM or your activation PM, whatever, to build this out. Um, don't hire someone new because um, they're not going to know the product of the space as well. Um, if you're um, new and, and you sort of um, are getting off the ground with PLG motion um, and more early stage, I, I would say, again, don't hire anyone, like figure it out with, with your own people, uh, whether that's the founder or whether that's, um, you know, the existing PM or, or marketers, um, I think bad idea to hire someone new to go solve this problem um, when they won't have context of, you know, what the product's like, what the market's like. And it's very important to understand those things from the get go. Um, and so, yeah, I would say try to move someone. <laughs> I didn't really answer your question, but yeah, try to move someone from internally into the role rather than hire someone. Um, what org growth, product marketing, et cetera, does PLG belong in for you? I feel like I'm answering all your questions with non-answers, but <laughs> uh, I mean, it, like I said earlier, it's it's really a cross-functional initiative, right? Like, yeah, products in the term PLG, but it is not a product thing. It will not be successful if you have only product um, driving this. It, it ideally is its own thing. Like maybe now that I say that out loud, maybe growth is like the sort of um, amalgamous org within the company that covers both marketing and product and, 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 and creative and design. And, and maybe that's the right place for it. But yeah, if, if it's driven just by one org, it's not going to be successful. And then in your opinion, like what is the most important aspect of PLG? 
Um, <clears throat> I mean, I think two things, cross-functional alignment, making sure that this is a, a direction that the business wants to go in, given the context it's in and its, its life cycle. Uh, and then, and then the data, yeah, you know, uh, without, uh, without entries in Salesforce telling you how a lead is doing, um, you now need product usage data to see that, or, or you're going to, um, you know, it's going to be a black box and you're flying blind. So making sure you're instrumenting every single thing that's important and measuring that and seeing that constantly and, and, um, piping that to your CRM. Speaking, yeah, speaking of product data, like what data do you wish like your sales team had easier access to? One more non-answer uh, answer, uh, but uh, I wish that they had access to data in a way that salesperson X is able to easily engage with. Doesn't matter what the specific data point is, but I think the important part is making sure it's ready and available to them where they live, which is Salesforce or you know wh whatever other CRM, um, and it's presented in a format that they can easily engage with, not complex charts they have they have to filter or you know all kinds of things like that. It's it's easy and simple for people to engage with. Ideally, like a widget on on your account page or lead page or whatever within your CRM. Gotcha. And what what team has it hardest when developing a PLG strategy? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it leadership? Or is it some other team? Like, where do you think the most uh, friction comes from? Um, again, depends on the stage. But uh, later stage, uh, I think it's honestly the most difficult decision for, for a, a company leadership. Um, you have to ask yourself, like, why are we changing our go-to-market motion from sales-led to, to PLG when, you know, sales led is going well and, and assuming it's not going well, then that's kind of a difficult decision to change your core go to market motion. So I'd say at later stage is definitely uh, leadership. If you're early stage company just getting off the ground, I would say probably product is the most challenge there because you've got to build an experience that's able to activate users in a self-serve way, which is never, never easy. Gotcha. And uh, like kind of last question to wrap us up. Um, everybody like learns from somebody else what PLG expert or someone else in the space that we should interview next? I think you should interview uh, Krishan Patel. He's, um, he was an advisor at Sendoso when I was there. Uh, he's um, head of product at Apollo. Uh, one of the uh, best PLG uh, folks I've chatted with, with for sure. And they have a insanely good self-serve product um if you've ever used it um so yeah that's who i would recommend awesome well we'll try to see if we can get them up next do a double feature um but where can folks find you after this episode uh linkedin Surya sendal you look me up um uh and then uh twitter as well Surya sendal uh, all my accounts are private though so uh, yeah, you'll you'll have to see if I'm gonna accept your. your, your well, you're gonna have a good pitch to get get in. I see private <laughs> private invite. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, it was great talking with you, and uh, that's that's all we have for you today, folks. <laughs>